0: Predicting the top 36 picks of your 2024 fantasy football draft. Hayden, it is uh, halfway through January. There's no better time to do this.
1: Yeah, I call this column the seriously way too early 2024 (laughs) rankings for me. So we're going to start with them. Uh, Obviously, we have free agency NFL draft, all that stuff to get into. Uh, But let's kick off the fantasy offseason.
0: Yeah, this is like a state of the union state of the players with many of these names. As you said, we still have free agency players getting signed, players getting cut, moved up or down the pecking order. Mm -hmm. NFL draft impacts that. I would even say coaching and offensive coordinator impacts that a lot, too. We're going to talk through a lot of those topics as we go through these players, these teams. I will add. This is kind of a mixture of a prediction and also just Hayden's flat-out rankings in the top 36. You can check that out in the description down below. I'll have it linked down there. And we have to start, though, with the man that should have been the 101 last year. That is Christian McCaffrey. Hayden, he had over 100 points to the next running back. That is the third largest margin ever in fantasy football history.
1: Yeah, certainly felt like this. This I'm going to be referencing uh, a stat called like fantasy points over replacement or better in best ball points players across positions, so quarterbacks versus running backs and wide receivers. And lo and behold, Christian McCaffrey breaking the chart. He will be back with the 49ers. We haven't seen this team in the for- in the playoffs yet, right. but he's going to be a baller out there. The only kind of downside it's been the same downside as last year: ages and touches. But Christian McCaffrey has stayed healthy for multiple seasons now in a row, and all of these players have injury risk. We saw that with players like jamar chase and joe burrow we saw with justin jefferson, jefferson. the yeah. wide receivers get hurt the tight ends get hurt the running backs get hurt the quarterbacks get hurt so we know when christian mccaffrey's out there he's going to be putting up a bunch of points so let's yeah. put him up first overall
0: it's a physical sport and you can take some players that in previous years maybe your league mates your friends could have said i'm not going to draft him he gets banged up all the time and then they play 16 17 games right and then guys that have played 16 and 17 games get injured the next season's final point on cmc 12 games inside of the top 10 running backs this past season. This is in half point PPR as always only one game, one game outside of the top 15. And that was in week 17. Wow. Yeah, pretty good. Okay. Number two pick in 2024 fantasy football drafts. We predict CD lamb, Cowboys wide receiver. Talk to me.
1: So last year, he only trailed Christian McCaffrey, Kyron Williams, and then Tyreek Hill in fantasy points rep- over replacement and I just think that CD lamb has the best combination of a healthy in prime under contract quarter quarterback. Same thing with CD lamb. I thought CD lamb took a step forward this year. He was worked on the outside a little bit more, a little bit more downfield on occasion. He was absolutely dominant, especially yes. later in the year. He is scheme proof. He's matchup proof. He's all of these things and his just foundation and overall environment for fantasy production is, is so much more clear versus some of the other elite wide receivers we'll get to.
0: Yeah, he finished as the wide receiver two in points per game this past year, one of only two names to score over 18 fancy points per contest at 19.2. As you said, that combination of outside and inside play specifically just to find a matchup and exploit it was really amazing to me with Mike McCarthy actually taking over for Kellen Moore. He had the ninth most targets of 20-plus yards on the field this year, Hayden, but the third most catches, so he was super efficient Mm -hmm. on those downfield targets. Question, does a possible head coaching change potentially alter this for you?
1: Um, if they do get rid of McCarthy, you would assume they'd have to get one of the best coaches. Maybe it's Belichick to figure out. So it would just come down to who's the offensive coordinator at that that point. But really, like Dak Prescott with this offensive line, C.D. Lamb's talent,
0: like I think the play calling only is going to matter just so much. I think the play calling would matter to me a bit more because I was shocked with how vertical Mike McCarthy made this offense. And if it is one that, you know, Dak Prescott doesn't lead the NFL in 20 plus yard attempts and instead is, I don't know, even 10th. Mm -hmm. 11th 12th that would change some things in terms of the ceiling because we've seen some obviously explosive elements from cd lamb and that kind of creates a ceiling for him okay Mm -hmm. number three pick justin jefferson
1: he had 170 routes without Kirk cousins this year he averaged 2.9 yards per route run without them so we have the looming question with Kirk cousins is he going to stay is he going to be healthy even if he does resign but justin jefferson proved it late down The stretch there with multiple different quarterbacks. He only trailed Tyreek Hill, Nico Collins, and Brandon Ayuk in yards per out run in those games without Kirk Cousins. So he's the best wide receiver in the NFL. He is in the prime of his career. He should be under contract. And on the opposite side of what CeeDee Lamb, we love Kevin Connell. He's obviously not going anywhere.
0: Yeah. So To me, what speaks to how Justin Jefferson is quarterback proof, basically, is you can look at week one, week two, week three, it's It's 150, 159 (laughs) yards, 149 yards. Then you look at, I don't know, week 18, week 16. This is not with Kirk cousins. It's with Nick Mullins or whoever else you want to throw out there, right? That's 192 yards and one forty one. And I think Hayden other wide receivers can be quarterback proof in, or can be hindered by quarterback play, obviously. Um, Kevin O'Connell at the end of the day is one of our favorites because his offense is pass first and he wants to be aggressive. And I think does a really good job of even getting his backups prepared to exploit defenses in certain ways. And a major part of that is getting the ball over in Justin Jefferson's direction. So this is going to carry over and it's going to be with a new deal. So the guy's going to get paid to be happy.
1: Yes, and I think we are just putting the caveat that Kirk Cousins could leave. I think most likely he will be back. I think the injury actually
0: helps him return next year to Minnesota by if that that makes sense. Yeah, left landing spots. Um, But if he misses, you know, Achilles is pretty significant. The first three, four, five weeks, then I think we should still get stable production from the number three overall selection. Okay, number four for you. My guy heading into this year, you are now on board, Brees Hall. Brees Hall over 1,000 yards by far coming off a clean ACL tear. To me, it was a massive difference in many of the other ACL tears that are kind of clumped together because those are Mm multi-ligament. But what Brees Hall did this past season of surpassing, again, that 1,000-yard mark, obviously being an explosive receiver on top of it, Puts into perspective how great his season would have been if Aaron Rodgers was his quarterback. And crossing our fingers, we get that for fantasy football in 2024.
1: He's just rare to me in his potential for touches. He already led all running backs in PFF receiving grade, receptions, and receiving yards. He's also like six foot 220. He's got massive legs. He can handle 250 carries on top of all of the receptions. So it really just comes down to, can Aaron Rodgers stay healthy? And can this offensive line add some more talent because they're going to be losing some guys. And can they stay healthy as well? Just this is from sports info solutions. He averaged 5.3 yards per carry when there wasn't a blown block. That was eighth best in the NFL. That was 0.2 yards per carry when there was a blown block that was 34th. So the difference between him being an RB one, which we saw down the stretch and potentially a legendary RB1 like Pat Crane likes to mention is to me just can he break a few more tackles and more importantly Can the environment get around him? because we're gonna talk about a lot of undersized backs now In in fantasy RB1 land Brees Hall is the exception right now just because he's so big and he can catch all those
0: passes Where would you put that quote-unquote legendary status? We're talking about half ppr scoring because only two running backs finished with over 17 points per game Last year it's Christian McCaffrey was one. We'll get to the other name here in a moment. Would it be that? 18 point mark.
1: I I think like true legendary, I like to get him to the twenties, but the big difference in where I was wrong last year doing fantasy rankings was, I undersold the smaller running backs. It's a new NFL, more committee yeah. approach, different type of schemes as well. You're seeing all these like Devon Achan pitches to the outside. So I don't think that the bar is necessarily as high as it needed to be previously when there were 12 running backs getting 300 touches. Now that number is closer to like four or five across the league. So maybe we don't need to absolutely go crazy.
0: The Ladainian Tomlinson type of years. To put one final note on the Brees hall column, He had nine top 12 scoring weeks at running back this past season. Again, that was without Aaron Rodgers as his quarterback. And then there were other weeks that really, I would say, tanked his season long numbers where he was running back 68, running back 53, running back 58. And that's because the offense was just miserable. Like the offense could not function. And so if Aaron Rodgers comes in and at the very least stabilizes the floor and Mm then offers – at least the platform that he had this past season for the ceiling outcomes. I mean, I think your predictions, I think your rankings here of Brees Hall as the fourth overall pick in possible 2024 drafts uh is probably higher than anyone else has him. Right. That's right. Okay. You're we'll wrong. Pick five. Tyreek Hill, Miami Dolphins wide receiver. I mean, head and shoulders away, uh, the number one wide receiver in fantasy football this past season, just under that. 20 points per game. Mark, are you expecting it to look as pretty and easy next year? I
1: would say probably fairly similar. He had 3.7 yards per out run, which was a career high is one of the highest of all time if not the highest of all time. Uh he's finished as the 3rd and 8th overall players in the last two seasons with Mike McDaniel calling plays. He will be hitting that age 30 season. Obviously, we've seen multiple wide receivers, let's name Mike Evans, for example, completely throw away that narrative. Tyreek Hill did not look any worse this last season. So the only kind of questions you have is, and we just saw it in the playoffs, what the hell is happening in December and January? What the hell is happening when this offense faces the uh, defense that's already seen them before? what happens in cold weather, all of those things. What will happen with Tua Tungavailoa? It sounds like they want to give him under contract. It's the most likely scenario, but there's a little bit more uncertainty here. This is Tyree Hills last year with guaranteed money in Miami. So I just think there's a little bit more downside risk here. Um, but obviously after the season he had last year, he still is worth the upside.
0: Yeah, I think the offseason discussion of who is going to be Mike McDaniel is Matthew Stafford, you know, doesn't apply here necessarily because fancy football, September, October, November, a little bit of December. And by that point we are He's certain balled. that Tyreek Hill is, is going to be right. balling. and, you know, so much of his game is believed to be, you know, deep shots and explosive plays. He has that in his bag. Hayden hey, might shock people that he actually had the second most targets inside the 10 yard line across the NFL this past season, just one behind CD lamb at, uh, mm-hmm. at 16. So, He's used everywhere because he is their best player. It really is that simple. Next, to round out your top six, Jamar Chase as the sixth overall pick in 2024. It felt like we never got it going this entire season with Jamar Chase because obviously you open with the Joe Burrow injury. Then you have Jamar Chase injury. Then Joe Burrow misses. And then Jamar Chase comes back. And it's an offense that at that point was attached to Jake Brown.
1: Right. So I just like he basically threw away the Jake Browning games. He had a couple of decent games with him. But going back in 2021, as a rookie, he averaged 15.8 half PPR points with Joe Burrow in 2022. That was at 16.4. And then this last year with Joe Burrow, 16.3. So he's been very consistent with Joe Burrow on the field. It just hasn't reached that other level. Like CeeDee Lamb had 19.7 points. Uh, Justin Jefferson, 17.9 points per game. Tyreek Hill this last year was up at almost at 20 points per game. So Jamar Chase has just been one little tier underneath those. Even Amon Rossi and Brown has averaged more points this last season than what Jamar Chase has ever done as a pro. So we know what we're getting with Jamar Chase. T. Higgins most likely will be back on that franchise tag if they don't agree to a long-term extension. Joe Burrow should be healthier this time around. This is a very safe pick in the middle of the first round.
0: Hey, I kind of disagree on that T Higgins point, but you can go watch our past video on discussions on every single team that missed the playoffs. um, If you missed that one. And by the way, while you're here and we finished these six top selections, subscribe to the channel. Um, As you can tell, fantasy football never stops. We also have plenty of free agency and NFL draft content on the way. In fact, already have a scheme episode 40 minutes on Drake may, Breaking it down with Colt McCoy and recording another one later this week on Jane Daniels, potentially the number three overall pick or maybe number two in the NFL draft. So hit that subscribe button, hit that thumbs up button and join us for this entire offseason because I think it's some of the best content that we produce. Okay, your predicted seventh overall pick in 2024 fantasy football drafts, Amon, Ra, St. Brown, the guy still playing in the playoffs.
1: Still playing, still super productive. The only difference next year is most likely Ben Johnson, rightfully so, will right. be a head coach. And Ben Johnson's really good. So that's that's where, <laughs> that's where things can go a little bit awry here. But Amon Ross St. Brown, every single year, he looks a little bit different, looks a little bit more physical, works a little bit more downfield. All the schemed up stuff, you'd hope that the Lions have been preparing for Ben Johnson to be leaving for multiple seasons. So hopefully they have a fill-in. In place, that's the only downside. He's as consistent as you can get, especially in full PPR. These are half PPR rankings, and he's still worth a top 10 overall selection. So he's going to continue to ball in the playoffs. The offensive line and Jared Goff remain under contract. So at least that part of the foundation of the offense will not be changing. But you've done multiple shows about Ben Johnson and his play calling, and he he will be missed.
0: Yeah, Ben Johnson is just a doctor at creating – space creating matchups creating leverage you know manufacturing coverage looks that he wants out there I don't know who they can turn to that's going to be as good as Ben Johnson I think Mm -hmm. that kind of goes to your point that should not prevent us from selecting Amon Ross St. Brown as a top 12 pick in fantasy football and next up Hayden is our first uh, let's say undrafted player in many home leagues out there number eight Puka Nakua two points one I think he's just the new guy in this Rams mm-hmm. offense and two, the next time that Naku goes down on first contact will be the first time that Naku goes down on first contact.
1: He's just so physical. He's so trusted. He's such the perfect fit for Sean McFay and Matthew Stafford backside dig over the middle, sitting in zone coverage, really smart, but I don't want to like pretend that he's just this zone beater. Like this guy will run over you. He will get his toes in on the sideline. He can block out there. He's fantastic. We saw it in the wild card, that loss where he had, you know, just casual 181 yards. That was a a rookie record. He basically smashed every single rookie record, including yards per route run at 2.75 that matches what Odell Beckham did out there. I want to buy as much stock as I can. I'm hoping that your league mates will not think that Puka Nakua is this real life talent. Cause to me, he's already in that top five, top 10, Real-life NFL wide receiver discussion, and on top of that, you're playing with Matthew Stafford as Cooper Cup continues to decline. I have one little stat I wanted to get out here real quick, though. There were 12 wide receivers who averaged over 5.9 yards after the catch, and that goes to some of the physicality. Only Puka Nakua had more than eight contested uh, catches, among that sample, and he had 15 of them. So he yep. is doing double the amount of contested catchwork as all these yards after the catch threats. And that's this the like, really unique kind of skill set, Anquan Bolden-ish, Larry Fitzgerald-ish. And we should be drafting him as he is those type of guys.
0: Yeah, even Marcus Colson's name has been mentioned um throughout the Sean McVay era in the Rams organization. You've seen a lot of these wide receiver slash tight end hybrids in terms of guys who are kind of like the nub at the end of the offensive line and doing a bunch of the dirty work. I mean, Pukunuku just fits that so yes. perfectly well. I mean, he will be out there all the time. And for as long as Matthew Stafford is playing in this offense, he will fire passes from different angles and into different spots into tiny little windows that other quarterbacks cannot. Yeah. And their match is perfect. It really is perfect. So I'm with you. If people don't want to jump ahead and think, "Ah, I'm a little bit cautious after one year where he was a late round pick and blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. Wasn't drafted last year. I want to buy in on where Pukunuku is going. It's very different than another rookie here as your ninth overall pick Bijan Robinson. Um, A disappointing year for many out there, just from a touch standpoint predicted by most to have over 300, maybe 325, 350 touches. Wasn't even close the season
1: he wasn't but everything resets uh we can talk about arthur smith i I think that there will be a little bit of a scheme update with arthur smith i think more importantly the new play caller whoever that may be he's just not going to use tyler algier and cordell patterson as much as arthur smith did so that's good for Bijan robinson i think the bigger thing though is just in general quarterback play whether that's justin fields russell wilson jaden daniels anybody's going to be better than what they had this last year. So, what I'm looking for with Bijan Robinson, he still was 39th overall last year. So, it wasn't like a complete disaster. I know it felt like that. He just needs to improve in kind of like one to two little ways. In short yardage, he was 39th out of 43 qualifiers in success rate and then on these carries without a blown block where it's just up to him to kind of finish runs, he was 21st in yards after contact. He's super elusive. But maybe he can be a little bit more physical in some of these ways, and that's where Tyler Algier was actually playing over, and you can kind of see this in the metrics what Arthur Smith was getting at, but you're hoping that a new play caller is what we're, we're, we're going to see right. from the late part of the years where Bijan Robinson was catching all those passes late in the year. I think the next play caller will lean into that a little bit more than what Arthur Smith did.
0: This is almost exactly where Bijan Robinson went in drafts last year. So we're not getting a dip. We're not getting a discount, any of that. Do you think that you might have projected higher than other people and he might actually be like a one, two turn player? Or is the expectations, the understanding of his talent that high, the explosiveness where, hey, if this guy does get 350 right. touches, then he's going to finish as a top oh. five running back out there? And like there's a chance of having one of those 19, 20 points per game seasons.
1: The ceiling's there. I think the people that drafted Bijan last year will not be drafting him this right. this next year. But I do think it just comes down to first who's calling plays and second, who's going to be that quarterback. If it's if it's somebody Belichick with Russell right. Wilson, something like that, I think I'm fine with it.
0: Third, this offensive line just played much worse this season, right? It played fantastic football when Tyler Algier and the other pieces in Atlanta backfield led the NFL in yards per carry. That was not the case this past season. But all the pieces return. Hopefully a different offensive line coach gets a bit more out of them. And they just return back to that 2022 status, which I think is possible. Okay. Pick 10. Kyron Williams.
1: Talk to me. I actually moved him just ahead of Bijan Robinson when I updated this last thing, just looking at the numbers. They are truly insane. He had 13 healthy games. He had over 16 half PPR points in nine of them. He was second overall in fantasy points over replacement per game. I think that he's just a perfect fit, just like with Puka Nakua. He can run duo and he can pass protect. And that's what Sean McVay and Matthew Stafford love in this offense. Is he the perfect player? No, you would like to see him with a little bit more burst. He dropped a couple passes. He had a couple fumbles. He is still only a fifth round uh, draft capital here, but he was still RB seven yards after contact. I just think he's a trusted piece and he showed that he can handle a big workload. So does he have more downside risk than typical round one selections? Sure. But he also just finished second overall. So if you can kind of repeat the season that he had last year, then you're going to be adding a little bit of a profit at the end
0: of round one. The information that we have now means that Kyron Williams should be a first round pick in face football drafts next year. Obviously, things can change. You know, if the Rams sign someone or spend, let's say, a top four-round pick on someone, that should maybe get our antennas up. Because, again, the profile of someone like this, who was a day three selection, who is not a great athlete, typically people like to stray away from. And is actually the type of who is going a couple rounds later might call him a dead zone running back, right? Mm-hmm. Because you're just presuming this workload once again. Um, but I am exactly in the camp that you are, where Sean McVay. Adores this guy. Let's not forget that heading into the 2022 season, if he doesn't get hurt on that opening kickoff, yeah. he was going to play ahead of Daryl Henderson. He was going to play ahead of basically makers in those environments. And as you said, Passbro was so pivotal in this. He already has that, came to the league with it as his number one calling card. What is there not to love? Like he's not going to reel off 40, 50, 60 yard runs that we get with mm-hmm. the H Hans of the world or the Jameer Gibbses of the world, right? But from a high touch load standpoint and high value touch standpoint, Karen Williams brings the table. If we just eliminate the names and the draft status of exactly yeah. what we should um, love and, and, and adore because his head coach thinks of him in the exact same way as if he was an early round pick. I think
1: he's one of the guys though, five nine, one ninety four. Like I'm still learning. My brain is just trying to learn to accept that running backs could be this small in fantasy. Now
0: um, we saw it last year at least. 13 carries inside the five yard line this past season that equaled eight touchdowns, 32 attempts inside of the 10 yard line that equaled 11 touchdowns. So he is definitely the trusted player, Mm -hmm. trusted player there. Now it did help that he was backed up by Ronnie rivers and Zach Evans and whoever else, but they dealt away cam Akers. So again, if they do spend a pick, then we can change, but I just want to eliminate all of the, you know names and draft status and all that because how Kyron Williams looked on the field was exactly what this team wants out of a lead running back. Yep. Pick 11, Jonathan Taylor. Zach Moss is a free agent. I actually think that comes into play here a little bit, Hayden. It does. I did some really bad
1: math if you want to bear with me here. If you just took the starter between Jonathan Taylor and Zach Moss every single week of the season, they averaged 16.2 half PPR points. That would have only trailed Christian McCaffrey, Kyron Williams, and then Ricky Moser who went crazy with the touchdowns. What I'm banking on here is, one, Jonathan Taylor, he's got to get a little bit better back to where he was in 2021. Back in that season, he had uh, 7% of his his runs went for 15-plus yards. Since then, it's at 3.5. So it's been kind of cut in half on that big playability. But what I got this year was Shane Steichen. And Shane Steichen plays super fast, the third-highest. Uh, plays per minute in the NFL he's super aggressive and that was with a backup quarterback I think there's a chance that Anthony Richardson Richardson can absolutely take this team to a complete other level I'm hoping that Anthony Richardson's threats with his own legs will open up even bigger holes but I just think it's a good combination of a player in his prime with a bunch of the offensive line pieces already settled and Shane Steichen who I thought was one of the best play callers straight up in the NFL.
0: Does it scare you that Anthony Richardson could take away some of the short yardage rushing, especially towards the yeah. goal line, because Gardner Minshew only had five carries inside the 10-yard line this past season? Mm-hmm.
1: That certainly would scare me. I, I just think that this could be a year where Jonathan Taylor averages 5.2 yards per carry again, and we might see some more explosive plays. And in best ball, the explosive plays do matter. But th- the point is like the he's not going to have the – 80 receptions, and he might lose a couple goal line carries. So that's the difference of him being like a round two guy versus like a locked in round one
0: guy. Yeah, he's also better, let's say, than what Jalen Hurts has had attached to him in the Miles Sanders and DeAndre Swift department. I will add that from week seven on last year, you know, he missed what the opening four weeks, didn't play 50% of snaps until week seven. Um, He was running back six overall with 15.3 points game last season okay let's close out the top 12 25 minutes in who knew uh with jameer gibbs for you hayden six running backs in the top 12 so far only one first rounder basically hit this past season of running backs right so you're back in the well with this running back game maybe table that and give us a little bit of jameer gibbs and we'll go back to that discussion
1: well, with Jameer Gibbs, it's just the archetype, and the archetype is youth. Christian McCaffrey is the oldest guy I mentioned, but Brees Hall, B. John Robinson, Kyron Williams, Jonathan Taylor, and now Jameer Gibbs. These are This is the new wave. So last year going into last season, the Austin Ecklers, Derrick Henrys, those types, on the older side, and they fell off a cliff. These guys were not worried about age cliffs, touch cliffs, no cliffs whatsoever, and Jameer Gibbs as the season progressed and you'll see in the playoffs as well, his role is just picking up. He's shedding guys in after the catch. He's shedding guys just between the tackles at times too. David Montgomery is still around, but Jameer Gibbs just a, clearly an ascending player. And uh, we saw Dan Campbell trust him more. And now next offseason, they're going to put more work into him. And Dan Campbell is very straight up with us. He says he wants him, him to be Alvin Kamara. Last time
0: sure. I checked Alvin Kamara, pretty good in fantasy. And Dave Montgomery almost certainly will be back next season has guaranteed money going into next year. I am with you and where it kind of shocked. I think many people out there is that the majority of his points came from rushing this year when he was even mentioned as being in pony personnel and lining up Mm -hmm. at receiver at times. Offensive line is going to stay intact outside of left guard, you know, and to me how it all changed for him was actually when David Montgomery went down And in his absence, Ben Johnson, Dan Campbell, Dan Campbell gave him the opportunity to earn their trust. And he did in a series in series out standpoint of just carrying the load. And by then the year, these guys were just exchanging series In general. And obviously we love Dave Montgomery because we love touchdowns. We also love explosive plays, and Jameer Gibbs both can do it. But Jameer Gibbs is just more likely because his speed and cutting at that speed Mm -hmm. is just different. But this is really truly the first split backfield that we are definitely going to see among these, you know, six running backs that you have in the first round.
1: I think he get significantly better in the past game. The amount of drops I he agree. had to me was shocking. If he can just hold onto the balls, those are going to be massive explosive plays. And obviously him and Jared Goff will be under contract next year. Yep. They'll get all that
0: stuff dialed out. I'm with you. Saquon Barkley. Talk about the turn. He's a free agent. Hayden will be on a new team. I will say this. I just have a hard time of picking someone 13th overall. If the draft was today and not knowing where they're going to be. Next year, <laughs> what if I flipped that and
1: said this is a good thing that he's a free agent because the Giants have just completely wasted him for his free agency? The Giants could offer him a long term extension. It doesn't seem like Saquon is that loyal to the Giants. Why would you be? Oh, if he wants fight? to get out of there, right? The Giants could apply the 12 million dollar franchise tag, it's a 20% bonus after last year's franchise tag. That's getting a little bit expensive. So I'm hoping that Saquon Barkley actually hits the free agency. He's been playing behind really bad offensive lines. He's 27 years old. That's not too crazy. That's what the Saquon Barkley was, or uh, Christian McCaffrey was, the last two seasons. In those last two seasons, Saquon's finished as the 26th and 10th overall players uh, in points over a placement per game. I kind of split the difference with this ranking. How about this for a little landing spot if he does hit free agency? D'Amico Ryans and Bobby Slovak. What did they do with the San Francisco oh. 49ers? They got Christian McCaffrey in the building, Let's get Saquon Barkley with CJ wow. Stroud. Let's see what happens then.
0: I like that a lot. Also, if like Joe Mixon moves on from the Cincinnati Bengals and wow. they have some extra spending money, you could see them investing in a running back mm-hmm. too. I like that. Yeah. Now we could also get some like bottoming out organizations and possibilities too for where he signs if they just mm-hmm. offer more money. So like this is one that to me can probably change more yes. than yes. any other that we've talked about so far. Yep. 14. AJ Brown sorely missed on Monday. Let's put it that way. Yes. Uh if the opposing defense plays a lot of man coverage, Jalen Hurts loves to look in the direction of AJ Brown. Who knows? I mean, there should be, but who knows how many changes we're going to see on offense from this team, but AJ Brown is a baller.
1: Whoever can figure out how do you uh prevent Jalen Hurts from co- collapsing against the blitz is the play caller for me. We kind of swapped just overall like efficiency, like outlier efficiency, like his yards after the catch dropped, he scored four fewer touchdowns this year, but because the Eagles defense was so bad, he actually kind of matched it with volume. So he was been the 13th overall player and the 18th overall player in the last two seasons. I'm kind of right in that range prime of his career. Jalen hurts. Isn't going anywhere. And I'm assuming that just in general, the scheme and the system and the way to attack the blitz all that stuff will be ironed out. He's a very safe play at the round one, two turn. I wouldn't be surprised if he actually gets
0: drafted a couple spots ahead of this, too. Your 15th pick, Nico Collins from the Texans. Six games he played without Tank Dell, but with CJ Stroud this season. Okay. Week six, four for 80. Week 13, seven 104 and one touchdown. Week 14, Nine catches, 191 yards, and a score, then seven for 80, then nine, 195 and one, then six for 96 and one. I will say, you could say somewhat similar things when Tank Dell played earlier in the year with how great his splits mm-hmm. were. But as we continue to see in the playoffs, Nico Collins is a true wide receiver one across the league.
1: Only two wide receivers had a, a better PFF grade than Nico Collins. That's Tyreek Hill and Brandon Ayuk. Don't. It's the same thing with the Puka stuff. I knew he was a third-round pick previously. I knew he had a couple slow seasons to start his career, but he is the perfect scheme fit with C.J. Stroud, who wants to throw the ball over the middle. Nico Collins, 6'4", 215, which is already rare at wide receivers. We just don't see that type of body uh, anymore. He only trailed Rasheed Rice in yards after the catch. He broke 21 tackles on 86 catches. 21 tackles—that is like running back type of uh, shedding tackles out there. And he's a really good route runner. On top of that, he's super fast. You compared him to like a, a weird version of Jalen Waddle. I can get with that. I see some Mike Evans in his game. On top of that, I hope Bobby Slowick hangs around for one more season there. But they run all these two wider receiver route combinations, play action down the field. And Nico Collins is the perfect scheme fit with that. And I'm I'm on the opinion that TJ, TJ Stroud will win the MVP next year. So those like Jamar Chase, Joe Burrow seasons we've seen in the past, I think that's the type of potential we're getting with Nico Collins.
0: Yeah, if Bobby Sloak is able to return as play caller, it's one of the biggest wins of the offseason for yes. any organization. And yeah, you, you put it that he's just behind Rishi Rice this year in yards after catch per reception. That was 8.4 compared to 7.0. Rasheed Rice's average depth the target was 5.3. <laughs> Nico Collins is at 11.7. <laughs> I mean, he's an anomaly. He really is an anomaly. Yeah. Um, just a great, great talent. Okay, 16. Also a great talent. Couldn't flourish enough in 2023. That's Garrett Wilson. Uh, Aaron Rodgers is back, Hayden. We talked about it during the preseason in like the two drives that we got with Garrett Wilson and Aaron Rodgers that this mind meld inside of the 20 yard line that Rodgers had with Devontae Adams was pure fantasy gold. To me, I hope people forget that because I'm actually willing to take Garrett Wilson, maybe even at the turn around Mm -hmm. pick 13 or around pick 14.
1: I yeah, I think that this will be kind of the debate. AJ Brown, Garrett Wilson, maybe ahead of those running backs that I listed here. There were a bunch of wide receivers who had an average at the target under 11 yards downfield. Garrett Wilson's 78% catchable ball rate was by far the worst. I mean, this guy was getting absolutely cooked because of his quarterback and offensive line in general, but he still was fourth in targets. We know what kind of player he is. So, really, it's just what level of Aaron Rodgers are we getting and what kind of offensive lines? Very similar to the Brees Hall discussion, except that. Brees Hall is like basically catching as many passes as Garrett Wilson
0: on top of all of the rushing production. 17 first quarterback, Josh Allen. I think much of the discussion points heading into this past season was, well, this team doesn't want Josh Allen to run the ball. Maybe that will limit some of his production. Mm-hmm. That didn't happen in 2023 because when games need to be taken over, Josh Allen puts on his Cape and gets out there. He had 21 carries inside the 10 yard line Hayden, that equaled 12 touchdowns. He had another three touchdowns outside of the 10 yard line just yeah. on the ground. Um, I'm guessing Joe Brady is going to return as offensive coordinator. I don't think things are really going to change with Josh Allen. This is just how he plays the game.
1: Yeah, he's dominant. We saw in the wild card round, he had what, that 52 yard touchdown where he. Yeah basically broke a couple tack- tackles. He should not be this fast on top of like all of his other athletic traits. Steph Diggs is under contract. He'll be back. They might have something with Khalil Shakir out there. Gabe Davis, not he's a free agent. We'll see what they do with that, but Gabe Davis is not... Leading no. Josh Allen to fantasy production, Josh Allen's leading Josh Allen to fantasy well, production. So and and he didn't miss it himself.
0: We, we should expect like a, a, I think a jump from Dalton Kincaid in year mm-hmm. two, who was like really hit or miss during his rookie mm-hmm. season. They couldn't figure out the twelve personnel stuff at all. So I think that's only going to help him. And you know, most likely Steph Diggs is back, and then we mm-hmm. get Dalton Kincaid, and then find a third pass catcher off off of that. And we'll get to James Cook here in a moment. But Josh Allen is his team's real runner inside the ten yard line.
1: Yes, yes, he was, and that led him to. he, there's a distancing between him and then Jalen Hurts and kind of everybody else at the position. So don't group Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson into the Josh Allen fantasy conversation. He averaged a couple more points and look what he's doing in the playoffs already. Okay.
0: 18, DJ Moore. So on paper, Hayden, we're going to get likely, sorry, Bears fans, likely a new quarterback attached to DJ Moore. Definitely a new offensive coordinator attached to DJ Moore. So some people might get nervous and say, okay, can he match the career highs that he put out last year? But you yeah. realize he did the exact same thing last year with having a new quarterback and a new offensive coordinator. And this actually might be an even bigger improvement. Cause one, you have no Tyson pageant, mm-hmm. but also just maybe a more consistent quarterback series in series. out.
1: I think the obvious upgrades going to be with the offensive coordinator it does not seem like anyone really liked Luke gets, was putting out there, but I think that, Caleb Williams is much better than Justin Fields. I've watched a bunch of Caleb. He's a superstar. The thing that's going to be hard to replicate with D.J. Moore. He had five touchdowns of over 20 plus yards downfield. And actually six of them
0: were against the Washington commanders.
1: Yeah, right. It was, it was unbelievable. Um, But D.J. Moore, also a freak athlete who is prone. He would have been scoring these type of touchdowns back in Carolina if he had somebody to throw the ball to. So Caleb Williams probably spreads the ball around a little bit more than most quarterbacks, runs around a little bit more as well. But if they can get the play caller, like give me Shane Waldron or somebody like that, I think that D.J. Moore can absolutely cook. He finished 16th overall in fantasy points over a placement per game.
0: 19, Mike Evans. Age is going to be in, in the conversation again. He'll be 31 to open next season. He's also a free agent. I know those that follow the Bucks closely believe that Mike Evans is most loyal to money, and it makes sense, um, especially where he is in this part of his career. I will add that age only matters to me when we see a like step toward the cliff, Mm-hmm. And you can't say that we saw a step toward the cliff this season with Mike Evans when he was legitimately one of the best wide receivers in football, despite having like one significant drop per game.
1: I saw him ascending the cliff. I mean, he looked better this year than he had previously. I mean, you can make an argument. This was one of his best seasons. Totally. Of all time. So, yeah, Mike Evans was an absolute superstar. He ended up finishing as a 12th overall player. Uh, He was the wide receiver seven. And it certainly felt like that. And I think Baker Mayfield and Mike, Mike Evans will be back. These have to be the priorities. Dave Canales really can scheme this thing together. And I'm with you. It was, it wasn't just, he's not just a jump ball merchant. He has so much speed still and such a crafty route runner at this stage of his career can win intermediate, not just the deep ball, not just the fade route. He was just a special guy. And I was really Really stoked to watch them this year because it seemed like most people were, were willing to write him off and
0: I was he looks better. So yeah, same guy. I, I, I was willing to write off Baker Mayfield and the Bucks offense and I looked like a fool because of it. Okay. 20. Debo Samuel. You could easily rank two 49ers mm-hmm. among this, let's say, top 36. We'll get to a, another one in a moment. Why Debo Samuel ahead of Brent Ayuk? He scored more points
1: in, in fantasy land when it, so I'm just kind of going off of that. They're both Should be back. Debo's just, he's lights out. And he did a little bit more uh, things in sustainable ways this year than what Brandon Ayuk did. We'll get some of those Brandon Ayuk metrics. Both are phenomenal. George Kittle's back. Brock Purdy's back. CMC's back. It'll be a race to stack the 49ers, especially in best ball format. So uh, I'll be fine with Brandon Ayuk or Debo. I think both will end up kind of in this round two, three turn.
0: 21. Travis Etienne. So I think two discussions might happen this offseason with Travis Etienne. One, some people might say you should have Travis Etienne as maybe the 13th overall player, like next to Saquon Barkley or ahead of Saquon Barkley, right? Just behind Jameer Gibbs. I think there could be another conversation here where this is too early Mm -hmm. for Travis Etienne to go. Why do you land on a point in the middle?
1: I am with you that there could be a little bit of a rug pull. We saw it. Last offseason, with the addition of Tank Bigsby. Tank Bigsby, in theory, was supposed to take some of the power rushes and the short yardage situations away from Travis Etienne. Bigsby was just not good enough, but that same problem still exists. Jacksonville was 29th in rushing EPA per carry, they were 24th in short yardage success rate. Travis Etienne actually led the NFL in these power runs. Duo, you name all the other power rushes. He had 143 of them. The next closest is at 118. So this team wants to run with power. The problem is he had a 35% success rate on those runs. That's 32nd out of 38. So what the Jacksonville Jaguars at least last year's offense wanted to do was be able to run with power. And Travis Etienne does not fit that. That said, Travis Etienne was 11th overall in fantasy production this right. last year because of the explosive playability. I think in theory, Jacksonville wants to address power rushing. They also have a lot of other issues they have to take care of. So I'm kind of splitting it in, in between the middle. I I hear your point though. Some people will want him way higher, and then maybe we get a third round draft pick, and then he drops
0: another round. I, I think it's based on your individual view of Travis Etienne as a player. You know, when you watch him, your pre draft thoughts of him. Did you think that he was this electric player that should get you know 18, 20, 22, 24 carries a game? I feel like the Jaguars aren't necessarily sure if they want that, you know, because mm-hmm. Doug Peterson, press Taylor, give him that. But then we get all the discourse last offseason of, Hey, we're going to have four running backs, right? We're going to draft tank Bixby. And if tank Bigsby was better, I bet he eats into that a bit more, yeah. but you also got a tail of two seasons here from Travis Etienne and not just him, but I would say this offensive line too, because in yep. weeks one through eight, he was 18.8 points per game, right? Then they had the bye week, which oftentimes your team gets better. They got much worse <laughs> right. 11.4 points per game after that. I also don't think Travis Etienne is close to being the receiving back that people projected him as. And he kind of is that bowling ball runner, and he can have 40, 50 yard runs because people can bounce off him and boom, he's off the races. I don't know. I'm, you know me, love press conferences, love coach speak. Uh, I'll be in tune with that, and I bet once again at the combine or in pre-draft press conferences we get either, oh, we want to uh, give a longer look to Tank basically the season, or mm-hmm. we're going to be looking to improve the offensive line, and or we're going to bring another running back this offseason.
1: An extreme example was last year with Kenneth Walker, and then they draft Zach Charbonnet to take some workload. He goes from a round two pick down to kind of round five, ends up being a decent pick at that spot. So we'll see with
0: Travis Etienne. It's it's January 16th. This is far from settled. 22, Rashad White. If this backfield stays the same with similar names on the roster, Mm -hmm. there is no reason why Rashad White shouldn't be a second rounder. Like to me, actually, as a player, Hayden, he improved this season. Like he improved on contact. The offensive line is going to return all five players. The same team, as we talked about, Mike Evans and Baker Mayfield and hopefully Dave Canales all return on top of it. And the craziest part to me is what we loved about Rashad White coming into the NFL was his receiving numbers. He showed it last year with Tom Brady. In the opening five games, he totaled just 98 receiving yards. And then after that, the rest of the season, he basically went on to average over 40 yards Mm -hmm. per game in the receiving matchups. And so I think that, again, after the bye, after going back and looking at it, Canales and company Baker realized, oh, we should be utilizing this a bit more often. And we saw him game plan, especially against like the Green Bay Packers, utilizing Rashad White as a receiver. And then on top of that, he's still the lead running back. Mm -hmm. That's all gravy too.
1: Yeah, I think it's a somewhat similar discussion with ETN. I think Rashad White's a much better receiving back than ETN was, but they could not run the ball in short yardage when they needed to run the ball. Rashad White's offensive line, they could not get that going. So maybe they look for a compliment with Tampa Bay, but he was like basically the best receiving back in the NFL this year. Like his ability to just kind of find that second level was really special and i I, i'm just working under the assumption that after this buck season the surprise that they had that they're just going to be running this back and trying to get a little bit younger uh on the offensive line if they can and i think it's a good spot for rashad white i I agree i think if everything's settled and they don't add some superstar running back to the equation i think there is room for to go up a couple spots from here
0: I think there is a a slight difference between Rashad White and Travis Etienne. Rashad White was actually second in the league in terms of his team's percentage of rushing share inside the 10-yard line at 76%. Meanwhile, Travis Etienne was at 48.5%. So, obviously, the Buccaneers loved to throw. Last year scored a lot of touchdowns outside the red zone. Even inside the red zone, they threw a lot of touchdowns. But the guy who was being leaned on in those high-value touchdowns, areas was Rashad White Mm -hmm. so your Sean Tucker bags uh, not yours not yours (laughs) not mine yours (laughs) not looking great 23 Devon Achan Hayden uh, in games with 10 or more carries this past season finishes of the running back one running back four running back four running back eight and running back 17 talk to me
1: There will not be a player we discuss more this offseason than Devon Achan. I'm already nervous about the end ranking I'm going to have with him because this thing can go multiple ways. Last year, on a per-game basis, fifth most valuable player in all of fantasy. He had over 21 half PPR points in five of his ten healthy games. That said, Raheem Mostert is back. By the way, Raheem Mostert finished sixth overall in that same metric. He'll be 32 years old, though. And the Dolphins were 29th in yards after contact per carry on these short yardage runs. They did not have the true power element. So this is a team that could introduce another guy here. But at the same time, I mean, Devon Achan with Mike McDaniel is truly special. So he's the one that really broke the mold. 5'9", 188, did not really handle a huge workload until Raheem Mostert missed a couple times later in the year. But this guy has a potential to finish as a round one type of talent. He also is the undersized back that battled through some injuries and has the potential to add another back in this in this background. And all of a sudden he drops a full round. So I'm already nervous about where to rank this guy.
0: Yeah, I'm totally with you. This could go in a whole bunch of different directions because Raheem Mostert could return on his contract. And that would only be, you know, $3.4 million against the cap. Or they could cut him and save $2.7 million I don't know why you would after the season that you just yeah. put out there, but Mike McDaniel might have someone in mind that is a free agent in this great free agent running back class and say, mm-hmm. we can upgrade for about the same amount of money and get someone that's younger. And that's significant because while HN has been fantastic this year, and there are actually games, as you pointed out that Raheem Mostert missed where they gave HN 12, mm-hmm. 15, 18 touches, which to me is a great signal for if we need to do this in games, we are willing to do this in games. The massive difference was inside the five yard line. Marie Mosert led the league along with Gus Edwards in carries inside of the five yard line with 19. Devon Achan was down there at four. Now he scored three touchdowns off of them. Mm-hmm. And is Devon Achan probably gonna make his money inside the five yard line? No, he's gonna make his money drilling off 50 yard runs and 30 yard runs and yeah. making people miss and just being electric out there. I will add though, Hayden. His 12.1 yards per carry in weeks two through five. <laughs> insane stuff. Right. It came back to earth from week 13 on when he returned from injury at 5.3 yards per carry. But uh I'm I'm excited. I'm excited to have the Devon A Chang conversation all off season long.
1: Gut instinct, is this about right? Too low, too high for, for your rankings, not where people will draft him, just for you. Cause I struggled with this one. I need gut.
0: I don't think you should hold explosive plays against explosive players. In fact, I think we should embrace them a bit more often. Mm-hmm. And he brings that to the table. He's a model breaker. Time. I guess my question though is, why is it so drastically different the ranking with him and Jameer Gibbs, with Gibbs being at the twelfth overall and yeah. HN being here at twenty three? But we can we can table that conversation for another time. Just north south, you see
1: it with Gibbs a little bit more.
0: Twenty four, our first rookie. Marvin Harrison Jr. I have not watched a single snap. I'm honest with you all. On Saturdays, I spend the mornings with and Villa, then I spend the morning, the evenings with my wife. Okay. I do not watch college football on okay. Saturdays. Have not watched a single snap of Marvin Harrison Jr., but I know he's very good and obviously comes from a great genetics.
1: He does. He actually is significantly bigger than his dad. He's 6'3", 205. I also have not watched him like all 22 NFL draft God status, but I do know he's a generational prospect. He averaged 101 total yards in his 25 games as a true sophomore and true junior. The most likely landing spots, the Cardinals fourth overall. Give me that with Kyler Murray. The Chargers fifth overall with Justin Herbert, like that one, or the Patriots third overall. Yeah. Uh, might hit still. A <laughs> but we'll we'll see what the quarterback situation looks like with new coaching staff, the whole thing over there. He will set the record for the earliest we will draft a rookie wide receiver in fantasy football history, and I think won't even close. Jamar Chase was a fourth round pick. I think Marvin Harrison is going to immediately lap that, depending on those two of three kind of landing spots that we're most likely going to see, and assuming that he's going to light up the combine. I've watched some highlights of this guy. The dudes will light up the combine.
0: And bring up Chase's rookie ADP, depending on if Marvin Harrison Jr. drops three passes per game. (laughs) Of course, twenty five. Rasheed Rice, second year player people love investing in second year wide receivers. I would say his profile is different than a lot of other second year wide receivers that people project to Mm -hmm. ascend into that superstar status. And it's because of this, just 5% of his targets this year were 20 plus yards on the field. And he had one catch that traveled 20 yards in the air. Um, But when you look at it, week seven is when he first hit 60% of snaps this season. After that, he averaged 7.5 targets 5.8 receptions, 70 yards that equaled 12.6 points per game. We talked about it. He led the NFL in yards after the catch. The question I have about Rasheed rice, and I think this is going to go into our second year breakouts video later on is if he can be more than this, if he can be more Mm -hmm. than the run after catch crossing route screen guy. And if so, the sky's the limit. If not, I think you could still take Rashi Rice as the 25th overall play in your drafts.
1: I That's where I'm at, too. I think he will need to develop more than what he showed this year because I would be shocked if Kansas City doesn't make a real upgrade at wide receiver. So there could be, like, real wide receiver competition compared to what they had this last season. Travis Kelsey, it sounds like he might come back. That's still pretty up. In the air, his brother just retired. If you haven't heard, his girlfriend is worth a billion dollars and travels the world. So the target competition is kind of the one thing. If it was just based off of last year's production, he is definitely worth a second round pick. If he takes a leap, he can get in the first round. If somebody else, another elite wide receiver comes in there, he might settle in as a fourth round pick. Uh, I think ultimately our our tape study at the end of this year will kind of we'll find a little bit of a consensus.
0: Twenty six the other 49ers wide receiver who I actually think is their number one wide receiver. Mm-hmm. Brenna Ayuk. uh, volume is always going to be an issue with him, but there might not be a better talent that sees less volume in the league yes. than Brenna Ayuk, And he's tremendously efficient on there. I know technically he is a free agent. Not really. It's not going to happen actually next year because of his fifth year option. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is not going anywhere. Uh, Kyle Shanahan and company love Brenna Ayuk because he does everything that they want them to. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, he gets open, intermediate, those like crossing routes, post routes, all that stuff. He just eats him up, all day. Speed is unreal. Yep, he is probably going to regress a little bit after what he did this last year. We'll go into some of the charts throughout the offseason. His yards per target, his downfield catch rate, all of those numbers were absolutely ludicrous. That said, he's a model breaker. The offense is a model breaker. Kyle Shanahan is a model breaker. So this is kind of the range where you hope that injury luck kind of breaks your way. Debo Samuel misses a couple of games. George Kittle takes a step back. And then all of a sudden, Brandon, you can really start seeing more targets, but he definitely needs more of them. As good as he was this last year, he was kind of a third, fourth kind of round value, uh, despite how good he actually is in real life.
0: We're kind of in that second wide receiver in the same team territory because 27 is tanked out. We went through all those numbers Nico Collins earlier on. If you look at weeks one through 12 before Tank Dell's injury, he actually outscored Nico Collins in points per game. 14.2 versus
1: 13.5. Really close. He had at uh, at least 14.7 half PPR points in six of his eight healthiest games. He's really good. He doesn't have the size profile. Really He's also not coming off of a fractured fibula. So this same conversation that we had with Nico Collins. Hopefully they can keep Bobby Slovic around. Hopefully the Texans don't add too many more weapons to this offense. And hopefully Tank Dell can get healthy because his speed, Tyler Lockett, ish e Brandon Cooks ish e with a potential MVP candidate. That's how you can get massive
0: games, especially in our game best ball. Twenty-eight, Devontae Adams. Quarterback position totally up in the air. Took him a while to get going this year. That is for sure new head coach on the way. You kind of wonder if he is also one of those names like Max Crosby, if Antonio Pierce doesn't get the job, if he asks for a trade. Mm -hmm. And teams are already sniffing around at last year's trade deadline in order to get Devontae Adams out of Las Vegas.
1: Everybody wants him. The Raiders would take on a lot of dead money if they traded him away. I don't think that's what they want to do. Devontae Adams is still a legit number one wide receiver He's probably not his full self. Like, for example, PFF had his uh, worst grade since 2016. His missed tackles per catch were basically cut in half this last season versus the year prior. But there is also room for quarterback upgrades, whether that's Justin Fields, a rookie that comes in there, Russell Wilson types, you name it. There's just a chance for an upgrade with Devontae Adams and He's kind of like on that age cliff. I'm not sure if I saw like a massive decline in his his play this last year, maybe a little bit, um, but he will be a 31-year-old next year.
0: I misspoke. I said it was a slow start. That's not true. He had 17.435 points in the weeks two and three of the season. It was that middle part that came up with 6.5, 4, 9, 1, all that type of stuff where there was a lull in the middle of the season. Okay. Keenan Allen, 29. This is another one that can go multiple different ways. If he stays in the chargers and what at the number five, five overall pick, if they take a tackle instead of a wide receiver, he goes higher than the 29th overall player, right? I think it's
1: as simple as that, but there will be players like Marvin Harrison. We got to Malik neighbors who I kind of have in like the mid forties in my rankings, Brock Bowers, who is a Kyle Pitts level prospect. These are the type of names being thrown out at the chargers. It does not sound like they'll be able to afford Mike Williams because of cap reasons. Um, Keenan Allen is 32 years old. He already mentioned that he is a trade candidate himself and because he was really good last year. So he finished seventh overall in 2023. That was 31st overall in 2022. And Mike Williams was alongside him. So I kind of compare it a little bit closer to that 2022 season where he wasn't the only option out there. Um, but they definitely need him.
0: I actually think there's an underlying story here that Kellen Moore almost certainly isn't going to return to the Chargers, too. And Keen Allen was used in a CD Lamb-esque role Mm -hmm. for this Chargers team, mostly inside, but some outside work funneled a lot of targets to him. Obviously, he and Justin Herbert had this insane connection. And so, like, if it is Harbaugh that goes in there, who knows who that play caller is going to be. So I actually think from a pure fantasy lens, the usage for Keenan Allen, if he is coming back as the wide receiver one, might be worse than it was this year, despite a losing record this season.
1: Do you think Devontae Adams and Keenan Allen deserve to be kind of paired in? Seems very similar situations.
0: Yeah, very similar spots. Okay, 30. And I think people will want this one higher, is Stefan Diggs, because obviously there was that second half of the season, once Joe Brady kind of took over, where there was that big lull. But, you know, we talked about the lull with Devontae Adams. It just happens in this range.
1: It does a little bit older, maybe not the same exact player after the catch wise. He really doesn't play all the snaps either. He goes in kind of odd stretches, but they will be losing Gabe Davis potentially. Um, Yeah, I see there's more target competition and less targets available under this new kind of scheme. So this is kind of where he ended up finishing out. Once Joe Brady got involved here, he's not the consistent player. He still can go absolutely nuclear and, I wouldn't mind taking Josh Allen at the round two, three turn with Steph Diggs. And I think that's
0: uh, pretty appropriate. 31, Isaiah Pacheco. Uh, if he remains a clear top talent, I don't think there's an issue taking him at running back 31. But this is also one of those dynamics where I think Pacheco, and you all might disagree, I think Pacheco is a worse talent than like Kyron Williams, mm-hmm. for example. So. If this team does invest in a third round pick or a free agent or a fourth round pick, even my radar is up for Pacheco to uh, maybe not immediately, but at some point during next season, lose some of his valuable touches.
1: I'm there with you. He also has these splits without Jarek McKinnon, where he turns into like a top five overall running back that you can possibly point to as well. So it really just comes down to do the chiefs really want to prioritize adding another back. To the mix because if they don't and just isaiah pacheco i will be willing to take him even higher than this right. that's right. where he's been without Jarek mckinnon so this is dead zone running back ish territory to me but i've seen isaiah pacheco be a league winner in short stretches despite him being kind of a chaos short yardage vision kind of lacking running back
0: yep the next one is james cook we talked about joe brady how if he returns obviously he you know utilize these running backs to a very high degree Even with that said, James Cook was still not the guy who was getting carries inside the 10-yard line. Only 18 carries inside the 10-yard line this entire past season. That was good for 28% of the team's total. Is that okay? Is that okay to take in the top 32 overall?
1: Through week 17, he was the 37th overall player. I'm ranked 32nd, so this is kind of the range. Maybe there's a little bit more growth for James Cook, but I think most likely this is what he is. A explosive, great player between the twenties could actually have caught in a couple more passes for explosives throughout this season. But size matters when you have Josh Allen right next to you. And there's definitely they've put in Latavius Murray, Leonard Fournette. They've tried Damien Johnson. They've, they've tried. So it's kind of like the ETN conversation. Right. Eventually, they will. Will that be this off season or the one following?
0: Yeah, and I actually really like James Cook as a player, but again. I think it's important to try to understand what they're telling you. And even with this massive running back utilization, they never felt comfortable outside of one game, basically giving James Cook carries inside the five, inside the 10. Okay. 33, another free agent, Derek Henry. I could see Derrick Henry, if I close my eyes, winding up in an amazing spot, despite being 30-ish years old, close to it, because of what running back contracts are now. And he still looked great towards the end of this past season. The dude is not slowing down. He
1: really hasn't. He was second in yards after contact per carry uh, out of 41 qualifiers when there wasn't a blown block on the play. And that to me is the difference. His offensive line, no matter where he goes, is most likely going to be much better. Here's some openings. The Ravens, Cowboys, Eagles, Texans, Chargers. Those are some spots where Derrick Henry can absolutely light it up. Uh, The last two seasons on a per game basis, He's finished fourth overall, and then this last year, 23rd overall, applying a little bit of an age discount in these rankings. But I am with you. If people want to write off Derrick Henry, I will be buying, and I think I might buy him early on because some of these landing spots can get really, really spicy.
0: Like, let's say Harbaugh goes to the Chargers, for example. I know that their cap absolutely sucks, but he loves, loves a power running game to him. Uh, Let's say they move on from Austin Eckler and pivot on over to Derrick Henry. That could be intriguing with that Mm -hmm. passing game on top of it. Mm -hmm. 34, my flag plant of the season, Michael Pittman Jr. It's, I'm not going to say the same conversation as Rasheed Rice, but some of the numbers were somewhat similar in that nearly 70% of Michael Pittman Jr.'s targets this past year were nine yards and in, right? Wow. Isn't that crazy? 70%. But, on one hand, we know he can already be a volume sponge in a play called we really, we really like in Shane Steichen. The other part of that though, is we aren't getting attached to Gardner Minshew, more vertical targets, which to me equal weekly spikes and more opportunities for that. In fact, after week one, when Anthony Richardson basically was not the quarterback, not a single week did he have over 15 points in a single game. It was just super consistent around that mark. So I'm excited for a higher ceiling Michael Pittman Jr. in 2024.
1: That's what I wrote down too. In a full PPR or if you're in redraft and not best ball, I think that you can easily draft a much higher than this. But I still think that there is some room for growth. And with Michael Pittman, he is a, technically a free agent. He's it's not going not anywhere. We already talked it. We love Shane Steichen. One of the reasons we like Shane Steichen is his RPO kind of base pass game. And what happens with that is the quarterback is reading kind of one side to see who's out there, and he throws the ball in that area. Well, guess what? A lot of those targets are on the Michael Pittman side, so he's getting all those schemed-up opportunities. I looked at it just to make sure I wasn't tripping out. Gardner Minshew and Anthony Richardson, which just comes to like the advanced metrics on target rate, average depth of target, avoiding tackles, all that type of stuff. Anthony Richardson is just as accurate as Gardner Minshew last season. He will get more accurate as he gets more and more training around NFL coaches, and we know that the arm strength is not even close uh, at all. So I'm with you. There's a chance to reach that ceiling that he just could not get last season, and I just want to continue to bet on Shane Steich, and he was probably the the play caller that caught my attention
0: most this year. Caught the attention of many Eagles fans too. Uh, 35, Amari Cooper. What can you say about Amari Cooper? I mean, no guaranteed money basically on his contract, and the dude still goes out there and balls every single week. Uh, I would expect that to continue, even if we don't get vertical shot Joe Flacco in our lives once again.
1: The scary part, Deshaun Watson is on under $64 million guaranteed for the next three seasons, so he very likely likely will be the quarterback. In the last two seasons, He's averaged 12.1 half PPR points in the 11 games with Deshaun Watson. With Jacoby Brissett, that was at (laughs) 13.6. With Joe Flacco, that was at 17.4. So he is like a tier or two worse with Deshaun Watson. Hopefully, Kevin Stefans can get more out of Deshaun Watson. Maybe they re-sign Joe Flacco and they can pull the plug on Deshaun Watson if they have to. The other looming thing with Amari Cooper, he is 30 years old, so we're approaching that age cliff, but I mean... We didn't go see watch, it. Go watch that Week 15 Texans game. And tell me if you th- think that he yeah. took a step back.
0: We'll, we'll redo that show with Ryan Heath this off season on age cliffs and when players really, mm-hmm. you know, fall off. Um, again, when you start seeing simmers of it, get out a year early. We did not see that with Mark Cooper. We did not see that with Mike Evans. We did not see that with a few other names that we talked about here. Okay, we'll close this out. 36, another quarterback in Jalen Hurts. The Tush Push is still alive. Who knows though. That's what's going to be without Jason Kelsey next year.
1: That is very true. Uh, Retirement for Jason Kelsey. And I think part of the issues they were not able to sort out against the Blitz. They faced the most six plus pass rushers in the NFL. It wasn't even close. And among the 29 qualifying quarterbacks, Jalen Hurts was 26th in EPA for drop back. That's what cost in the playoff game. That's what cost Jalen Hurts a lot of fantasy points. In general, Josh Allen, including the NFL playoffs, did distance himself from Jalen Hurts in overall fantasy production. We'll see what the new play caller is going to be if there is a new one. And losing Jason Kelsey certainly does uh, hurt. That said, Jalen Hurts, Devontae Smith, AJ Brown under contract in the prime of their careers, assuming that they don't ban the tush push. Jalen Hurts should be at least consistent. Maybe we don't see the ultimate fantasy potential that we once saw when everything was really smooth, but there still is a chance where they get a better play caller in there. Jalen Hurts learns how to handle himself against the blitz and they get back to rocking and rolling.
0: Who do you wish you could have put in your top 36 projected picks for 2024 fantasy football that you couldn't fit in there?
1: So the next names I had: DK Metcalf, Chris Olave, Devonte Smith, Cooper Cup, Jalen Waddle, T. Higgins. Kind of that tier of like the wide receivers we were drafting at the round two, three turn that kind of disappointed us. I think that's what where they will settle. Some of these running backs and one of the tight ends kind of interest me more though. Alvin Kamara, he's back with the Saints. It's they just fired their offensive coordinator uh Ramondre stevenson he's somebody that i still think with a better situation could handle the workload that we need for fantasy and then kenneth walker the most of playability and then obviously sam laporta finished as the tight end one as a rookie so there's like the next names kind of in that territory i think depending on how offensive play callers kind of gets schemed out uh throughout the offseason we'll be able to put some of those guys back in this conversation
0: can i throw a name at you and he's much yes. further down your list but he's going to be a talking point for everyone this offseason is tajay spears uh running back uh, 24, I think you have him as around like 77. Mm-hmm. Um, we know that this team views him as at least from a decision maker standpoint in drafting them as a three down player. We got that in moments that Derek Henry did miss the season. Obviously yep. they must improve that offensive line. Will Levis is definitely going to be that quarterback and we don't know who the head coach or play caller is going to be. So like, <laughs> there's a bunch of factors in there, but like, let's say Bobby Slowick is the head coach of that team or Dave Canales is the head coach of that team. Uh, that could be an intriguing name. I think that might emerge closer because people love young running backs.
1: Yeah, certainly will. And I think the other thing when I was going through my rankings here, the quarterback depth feels way better this year. Last year, I was really into the elite quarterbacks because I felt there was a little bit of a drop-off after about yeah. quarterback six, seven. A lot of the injuries played out and it worked out perfectly. This year, I mean, like Jordan Love, Kyler Murray, Justin Herbert, these type of guys I think could be rock stars in fantasy. And those are my quarterbacks, 10, 11, 12. So this is kind of a, a year where I think where I would have ranked Jalen Hurts as like the 20th overall player. I'm moving all of those guys down like around just because I think that there's like new wave of Jordan Love types I do think are quite interesting. In fantasy.
0: If they are able to hit a legit quarterback upgrade, is there a path for one Drake London having the talent to be a top 36 pick and yes. just be a pick in general in the top 36?
1: I put Drake London and George Pickens right next to each other. I think London's better than George Pickens I think straight way up. Better. But both looking at they started to really kind of separate in their offense versus the other pass catchers in both rooms for improvement with the quarterback position. So I have them next to kind of the, the Rome Adunzi, the Malik neighbors type of group. These young players that have a chance to ascend uh, just depends on the quarterback spot.
0: Okay. One last exercise that I did was look at the end of underdog drafts. The first week of last September, the top 36 and figure out how many of those 36 names are not in your top 36. Now 14, 14, 14, I'll, I'll just listen quickly, okay? Travis Kelsey, Tony Pollard, Jalen Waddle, Chris Olave, Cooper Cup, Calvin Ridley, Patrick Mahomes, Devontae Smith, Josh Jacobs, T. Higgins, Mark Andrews, DK Metcalf, Lamar Jackson, Ramondre Stevenson. That's a lot. Fourteen of the top mm. thirty-six names are right now. We predict not top thirty-six names in uh, mid-January. A lot of those names
1: are right after. Yes. Some of them with like retirement concerns, Travis Kelsey, Josh Jacobs, free agents. So, right. obviously, we have so much. We'll, we'll do breakdowns, all the free agents, all the NFL draft prospects. Um, sounds like we got a hell of a wide receiver group coming in.
0: I will add, if you all remember, Super Bowl week last year was when Underdog launched their then 2023 drafts. Mm-hmm. That might be a pretty decent signal of when 2024 drafts might open on underdog fantasy. So keep that in mind. As always, you can hit the link in the description down below. We are matching your first deposit up to $100. Uh, Hayden and I will be drafting immediately once all those open. I'm still yeah. drafting NFL playoffs. Let's go get on the, get on the dog. Okay. This is a much longer episode than I expected. Thank you all for tuning in. We know that you love the fancy conversations again on, I guess this Thursday, we'll have kind of a preview of this weekend's matchups Go and watch previous episodes of Scheme. In fact, go watch the Ben Johnson one with the Lions against the Bucks because that one goes back to the week three, I believe, performance of when Ben Johnson, again, was on fire and put up 20 points compared to six for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in that matchup. You guys know what to do. All right, for Weaves, for Hayden, I am Josh. Thumbs up. Hit subscribe. Talk to you all soon. See ya.